heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Folks, welcome to episode number 116 of YWC Football Talk. Um, yesterday, there was a football game, kind of important, I guess. There's this guy named Tom that came back. And as I do more of these post-game podcasts, I feel last week, I have to get more of the Patriot Station podcast involved in this. Last week was Keegan Stiefel. This week is Big J journalist Ryan Spagnoli. Ryan, how are we feeling today? I'm doing well, man. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. No <laughs> stole that from Pat. <laughs> you know what? You, you, well, you all are Big J in my eyes, but no, I know you. You've been at. You have not missed a Patriots game so far this year, and you were at the Giants game. At the Giants, excuse me, the Jets game. But I just wanted to ask you quickly because I know you were. You told me before we started recording, you were at the game last night. Besides the weather, how was the whole atmosphere and just the mood around the stadium? Yeah, man, it was. It was cool. Um, Honestly, kind of felt a little bit like a Super Bowl or a playoff game kind of type atmosphere. Um, you know, it kind of had that, I guess, that anxiousness um, and just kind of the whole buzz. You kind of feel it when the moment you got in there. Um, the only thing that was missing was was the great weather, but uh, that was a that was an awesome game. Obviously, back and forth came down to the to the wire, um, which I had kind of expected all week. I thought it, I knew it would be close. I, I didn't expect a blowout um but yeah it was uh it was really cool man it was on, honestly super happy and, and I guess blessed to to be there and experience that obviously grew up or you know rooting for him and kind of got me into the love for the sport and the team and you know it was definitely weird seeing him on the other side but uh it was pretty bittersweet considering you know his replacement I think played a little bit better than him um uh, but gave him inches and, and just came up short I I I'd love to hear that too, and even just like throughout all the emotions and everything like that, it just like because even to how you say he's the reason like why you do what you do. Like I honestly, and I said this last week, I said before, I don't know if if it's not for the eight year old kid in me discovering Tom Brady, if like say for example, you and I are having this very conversation right now, and if I'm as big of a football fan as I am now because of him, so I'm always I always say this, I'm always grateful for Tom for that, but it feels great. But let's just let's just switch gears because like you said, his replacement hell of a game last night he played really good got a little bit of pressure but overall besides the Saints game Mac has looked really solid this year in my eyes yeah man he's um you know I think there's some limitations to him and there's certainly some areas where he needs to improve um you know his pocket presence is certainly really good for a rookie but I think there's some times he gets some happy feet and may hold on to the ball a little bit but I think you know the, the biggest thing and I guess the most promising thing with him is you know, nine times out of 10, when he steps up to the line of scrimmage, he understands what's going on. He understands what the defense is giving him. And I think that's half the battle when you're playing quarterback at that, at that level, right? You see all these kids like Trevor Lawrence, even Zach Wilson. I, I think those guys are more talented than him, right? They, they can certainly do a little bit more with their arm and make plays on the fly and make these incredible throws. But, you know, do they have it in between the ears? Do they have a good support system and structure? No, they don't. Um, and I think that's where Mac wins. And and I think, you know, his traits in terms of his arm strength and, and kind of, you know, understanding and getting, you know, a better feel of things will, will obviously improve the more reps and more games he plays. But um, I, I know the record has, isn't 
you know, where we like it to be. Um, and, and certainly it stinks being one and three, but I think none of that has to do with him. And, and that's the biggest thing, I guess, going forward. Right. I, I've said it for a while. I think there is still a year or two away. Um, the best thing you can kind of take out of these first four weeks is they got a quarterback and they got a pretty good one going forward. No, a hundred percent. I agree with you on that because look, at the end of the day, we have a quarterback that we could trust. Like I've always been not anti-Alabama, but I've always seen the track record of all these like star quarterbacks from Alabama who have come to the NFL and haven't really amounted to much. And I was like that with Mac before the draft. And then once he came here, I started realizing, look, a lot of people don't transition from like Nick Saban's system to something that's a little different. But meanwhile, going from Saban to Belichick, it's very similar programs. That's where I feel like Matt's, Mac has fit in very perfectly and like you said, his development, it's still, it's still there. He's still got some stuff to work out. But at the same time, too, the fact that he's able to get these plays off and the fact that he went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady last night just, I think, really speaks volumes because you're the one who brought it up in all your articles and some of your, a bunch of your tweets this past week that this was one of the most underrated storylines in the week that just got shoved under the uh, mountain of paperwork because obviously Tom's returning took up about 99% of the coverage last night. Yeah, I think that was a good atmosphere for him to be in um, was certainly something you want your, your, your young quarterback to experience a game of that magnitude, kind of that buzz, that hype, how to deal with the media and everything kind of building up to that. I thought he handled himself perfectly. You could tell he's well-raised, knows what to say, um, you know, always looking to improve and, and put, you know, um, a lot of the praise on his teammates and, and take a lot of the blame on himself when things don't go well. So, um, I thought from start to finish, from from Monday to Sunday, all the questions and I guess all the build up leading up to the game, he he aced that test, and I think that was huge for them going forward. No, exactly, because that's the one thing too where everyone could get like all nervous and say, be like, yeah, Tom's coming back, but at the same time too, he's already fit that like Patriot way mold where he knows, look, there's a job at hand, there's a task at hand. We want to go up there, get the win. Obviously, they didn't. There's a lot of moral victories, and I said this: moral victories suck. But you got it. That's what you had to take away from last night because throughout, like, obviously there was some bad. There was some the Nick full kick. It is what it is. Obviously the doink happened. But you know what? All we can do is move on and, like Belichick says, just get ready for Houston. For sure. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's big for them. Like I said, I, I think he, he handled all that well, all the, all the media hype, and, and it was good to see him, him play well. Exactly. And even too last night, um, it was really great to see the tight ends getting more involved last night. Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry accounting for both touchdowns. But one new player that I'm really liking on offense, because I feel like whenever his name's called upon, he makes a good play, is uh, Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, you've seen him kind of open it up a little bit the last two weeks. He's definitely getting more comfortable. Um, Guy who can make plays after the catch. He's shifty. He's really good out of the slot. He can play a little bit outside. Um, That's a guy who I really like them coming in. I think it took him a little bit to get going and I guess find their fit with him in the offense where he succeeds most, but uh, he's been a consistent chain mover. If they can get him going and, and kind of scheme him up some touches, get the ball in space, he's going to make some plays. Uh, he's been their best receiver the last two weeks, and um, they can get him and Myers going. I think Aguilar played pretty well last night too. I think that receiving core is trending in the right direction. I know they don't have the the sexy guy and the, and the guy who's going to make the, the incredible play, um, but I think those three guys have enough to get it done, and, and they'll they'll definitely improve. Exactly. It's like they have those guys where I always, I always said this, like when the free agency happens, like, I know I don't, I don't obviously write as much as you guys do, but I wrote an article right around March, just on through WordPress about guys there. And I, for a lot of them, I said, look, if they do their job, I'll be happy with. And so far that's what Kendrick's done. Nelson Aguilar, obviously there's been some, I don't want to say a drop issue like he had in Philly. I feel like it's just more his, his route running has got to get a little bit better. I feel like sometimes he's either 
overrunning or he's underrunning the passes. But besides that, no, you're right. They're trending in the right direction. And you don't necessarily have to have that like spark guy, like say, for example, Stephon Diggs in Buffalo, Tyreek Hill in Kansas City, or even last night, Mike Evans with Tampa, even though J.C. Jackson did a hell of a job protecting against him. Um, but no, I honestly like that where, look, you don't have that, that star guy, but if your core can all produce at a good rate, it's just only signs of, look, like you said, this may not be the year, but this is a team that's looking at the long-term picture. For sure. No, I think they're, like I said, they're trending in the right direction. Um, they get a big three weeks here. I think three winnable games. Dallas has looked good, but I think that's a beatable team. They should handle business Sunday, you know, build off Sunday night. And, and I said it in my column today, um, you know, whenever the Patriots have success or even, you know, make the playoffs or make some sort of late run, Bill Belichick always looks back and, and picks, a, I guess, a moral victory um, when you kind of look at the big picture, right? 2014, the Kansas City game, um, you know, 2016, getting Brady back, right? Like little things like that that do wonders for your team down the stretch. I think if this team can start to turn it around and string some wins together, they'll look back on last night's game and, and really say that was the, that was the you know, turning point for our team to, to realize what we have and what we need to do to win consistently. Exactly. And like you said, this is a very big stretch coming up because they're one and three right now. If they can get to four and three after the stretch or even three and four, I know that doesn't sound exactly ideal, but I feel like if they can end up with either record after the Jets game, they're going to be trending in a good direction considering two besides the Atlanta game after that, the stretch from the end of October to pretty much their bye week is not exactly easy. No. Yeah. I honestly don't know the schedule off the top of my head, but I mean, Tennessee hasn't looked great, right? They got the Chargers who look pretty good. They're going to be facing some pretty good teams, some pretty good quarterbacks. That defense has gotten better each week. I think even the Saints game, they played much better than people thought. Uh, they cleaned it up versus the run last night. Uh, they, they they did do a pretty good job on Fournette, limiting him from some big runs. Um, so their, their defense is getting better. Hopefully you can get Stephon Gilmore back in a few weeks. Uh, they'll get much better for their stretch run. I think people need to relax. I think they'll be okay. Um, this isn't a Super Bowl team, but um, I think they have what it takes to to make a late season run here. No, I agree with you. And the only other games that you didn't say are Carol at Carolina and then versus Cleveland. Um, like you said, though, with the defense showing up, um, I got to put it out to one player, um, not the conventional jersey number, but I, I'm falling in love with the guy very quickly on the field. Man, Matthew Judon, just obviously, I feel like he should have been better last night because I could go on about this for days, but I feel like the refs kind of took some of the buzz out of the air because Donovan Smith could have gone away with like, at least three or four holding calls. But, man, if Junon, that's another guy. He is exactly what I thought we were getting when we signed him. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've missed that, that pressure off the edge, guy who can make plays against the run and also, you know, get after the quarterback. Uh, he's been unbelievable. Best player on the team, I think, in my eyes, the X factor of that defense. Um, and like I said, if you can get Stephon Gilmore back, you've got an elite player at corner, factor in J.C. Jackson as well, and then, and then Judon coming off the edge, so. Uh, he's been worth every single penny that they've gotten this year. Um, and, and he's only going to get better the more, you know, experience he gains in the system. Yeah, exactly. Even to guys like Josh Uche are taking that second year leap. Uh, Jawan Bentley, not so much taking a leap, but you can see now that he doesn't have as much responsibility as he had in 2020. He's thriving now because there's less pressure on him to go out there and succeed and be that Mike player, which now obviously belongs to Dante Hightower. You're talking about Bentley? Yeah, Bentley. I'm not. I know Bentley was hurt last night. Him and Uche didn't play, but I'm just saying from what yeah, I've seen. Yeah, no, no. So I, yeah, no. Me too. I think, like you said, he he's out of that role now. The pressure's off him. He's been extremely well. He's improved in coverage. Really good run defender. Um, I I saw it right at camp that you could see there was a pop, and 
just had some more experience inside the system and knew what he was doing in his, in his now his fourth year with the team, I believe. Uh, so Bentley's a guy that, um, you know, has been, has been a really good piece to that, to that front seven and that linebacker room. Exactly. And also one thing I want to point out to guys, Matthew Slater, probably the most sportsmanlike conduct, most sportsmanlike player on the team. Um, I just want to go back to Matt Jones. Cause one thing I just thought of that really stood out to me last night was how well he managed to target Richard Sherman because he knew that Sherman was losing a lot of those matchups. So just the fact that he was able to recognize, look, which corners not to go, which corners to go to and which corners not to go to, I feel like can really be a more, if you look at it long-term, you can, you can kind of pickpocket those matchups. So, you know, Hey, target the weaker guy. Yeah. I think, you know, that probably comes from a lot of coaching, right? That's something that, that Brady did for a while. Um, you know, I think a lot of guys were lined up against him, but that was smart. I mean, that was a pretty beat up secondary. Not surprised they threw the ball 40 plus times. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a veteran move. And, and you could tell that, you know, he, he kept going to him the more and more um, he saw him struggling. So. Exactly. Cause even to last night, the box obviously lost Anton Winfield, Carlton Davis. And I I'm trying to think of the guy, one guy that did the tripping call, but I don't think he, uh, not, there was someone else, but no, like you said, that Tampa secondary is banged up. The only other thing I'm going to say on the other aspect from Tampa is if there's any indication that that offense truly runs through Gronk, because they he was he was sorely missed last night, in my opinion, for the Bucs. Big time. I mean, that's an offense that struggled in the red zone. I thought the Patriots really cleaned it up, their red zone defense. Um, you know, kind of early on in the game, that bend don't break mentality, they were able to hang in there and and you know keep that game tight. But yeah, I think if Gronk plays that's a much different game. That's a guy who, um, you know, made a living in the red zone and you could tell his presence was missed um, big time um, with that, with, with him being out. Exactly. And uh, like you, like, I just want to switch gears too, because like, like you said before, you obviously, and myself included, we grew up with Tom Brady. We grew up loving him. He made us very, very happy for many years as a Patriot. But I asked this question to all my guests have been on the last week, including your co-host Keegan, is there a certain moments, or you can say a moment or moments that aren't Super Bowl related? I only say that because that just seems like too easy. That stick out to you like a certain play from Tom's career that what you just think of immediately is like either something that changed the game, won a game, or just something he did that was impactful on the field. Yeah, non-Super Bowl related. I mean, it's that that Kansas City game with Mahomes and, and just going back and forth and the, the amount of buzz around that game, it kind of just it's like such a roller coaster from the Edelman, you know, punt. You thought it hit his fingers and D four lining up off sides. I think that game was just the epitome of Tom Brady and, and how, you know, cool, calm, collected he is in the biggest moments. That, that was certainly a game that stood out to me. Um, that 2007 season when he, you know, broke at the time Peyton records, Peyton Manning's record and them going 16 and 0, that was, you know, peak fandom for me. Um, that was peak Brady, I think, too. Uh, just like those, those two things really stood out to me. I know they're, you know, 13 years apart, which is crazy considering the circumstances, but um, that was, uh, those two games were, were awesome. Exactly. Um, one of the moments I, I said this before, but a couple that stick out to me, one, which is a, a couple of regular season, obviously of the Saints game from 2013. Um, one that I think kind of goes unnoticed, the 2017 game against the Houston Texans, which I think we all thought going into it, was going to be an easy win, but then Deshaun Watson went toe-to-toe with Tom, but then Tom had that laser to Cook in the end zone with like 30 seconds to go where Cook literally just, Cooks, excuse me, just got his two feet in bounds. And then also to the uh, the Jacksonville game and obviously 2015 against Baltimore. Yeah, those – I mean, there's so many, right? It's yeah. hard to pick in. That's that's without Super Bowls, you know? So, 
um, that those those two stick out to me. But you, you're not wrong on any of those. No, exactly. And I only say non-Super Bowl just because I feel like with the Super Bowl, it's kind of like most of us, I think, would go to either the Phoenix or the Houston Super Bowl for very obvious reasons. But I just wanted to say the whole non-Super Bowl thing just to kind of, you know, make the make my guests think a little. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. No, exactly. I just I feel like, you know what, hey, make, I'll make it just a little, little bit challenging. Um, but the only other thing I want to say before we wrap up here is, I, if I'm a fan of the Patriots, like you, like you said, obviously there's a lot of people who had to jump ship. There's people with a split jerseys, which, by the way, I do not condone on this. I do not condone those. I just know. And um, the only thing I'll say, though, is, look, it, for any Patriots fan freaking out over one and three, look, is it pretty? No, but you've got to look at the long-term picture and realize this is going to be a good football team for a few years to come. Yeah, I think you're, you know, one and three is not ideal. Like I said earlier, I think, um, you know, defensively, they're definitely improving week to week. I think offensively, too, I know the Saints game was kind of a dud, but I think last night was, like I said, something we can look back on in a few weeks and say, you know, that's really their their turning point and somewhere where they kind of caught fire. Um, it was good to see the tight ends get involved. I think that was big for them. So, um, yeah, I think, um, like I said, th- this team's a, uh, they're not there yet, but they're close. It's four games in. They got a little bit of football left, but uh, these next three weeks are certainly important for them if they want to be in it in the end. 100%. I could I could not agree with you anymore. Um, but anyway, Ryan, this was getting – it's always a blast again to talk to you. I know um, you're a busy, busy guy, and I always just appreciate you taking the time out to uh, come on here and talk, just talk football between you and I. But if anyone out there may not have heard of you before or wants to find out your work, where can they find you? Sure, man. I appreciate you having me on. Always a blast talking with you. I'm always, you know, willing to take some time to chat with you. No, no worries at all. Uh, Ryan underscore Spags on Twitter. Cover the team for SB Nation through Pat's Pulpit. Uh, podcast comes out with Pat and Keegan, who are also friends of your show every Friday. So I um, appreciate you, Griff. I, thanks. Thanks again for having me. And, and like I said, anytime, uh, just let me know. No problem. And unfortunately, my trip to Foxborough uh, got put on the back burner this year just because with everything with delta and other stuff like that and just with uh, everything like that but the one thing i can say right now is that i'm hoping i was talking to my girlfriend last night while we're watching the game and we're looking to get out there for some time for next year that's good to hear man you let me know when you're down here oh for sure i, I for sure i'm letting i gotta let all you guys know when i'm down there i also i think i'll keep a drink or two but um anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh but anyway guys um guys thank you very much for listening to episode 116 of ywc football talk we're on to the Houston Texans. Ryan, it's been a blast game to talk to you again. I always appreciate, like you said, I always appreciate, uh, I appreciate the fact that you appreciate taking out the time to come on and talk football with me. But anyway, guys, um, thank you very much for this. And now it's on to a fantasy wrap up with Andy McNamara. Uh, what I like to call my resident fantasy expert, because if you're in a pickle for who to take on fantasy or who to pick up on the waiver wire, or who to start on Sunday, just use the hashtag Ask Andy. And with that being said, we welcome back on from Roger Sports and Andy McNamara. Griff, how's it going, brother? You know what? It, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Unfortunately, the Pats lost to the Bucks last night and Brady's homecoming. But it's another day, and I'm just keep lugging on. And unfortunately, and I'm going to do this too because I know we're both fans. I got to give a shout out to the Toronto Blue Jays for an incredible season, and we'll be back in 2022. I have no doubts about them. I just had to get that off my chest as I stare at my Josh Donaldson and Marco Estrada bobbleheads from a few years ago. Oh, oh man, what a season. Most home runs in a single season in franchise history. Marcus Simeon sets a second base home run. Like Vladdy Jr. Remember the beginning of the year? 
And I was like, oh, I hope Vladdy's okay. <laughs> and then he goes on. It was an MVP season. Like, the Blue Jays are in great shape. You just got to shore up the pitching side from really all aspects. And you're going to be fine. Easier said than done. But the core, the pieces, the places are here for this team to be good, not just now, but for a long time. Exactly. I was telling someone at work today that I feel more confident in this team because they're younger compared to the core that we had in 2015. Obviously, that core was great and fantastic. I, like I said before, I'm staring at my MVP, Josh Donaldson bobblehead. And that's my whole thing now is I feel like now instead of being like a two to three year window, I think this is a four to five year window. Yeah, this is how the Blue Jays were really built in the 80s uh, for their first big run. And the Jays were legitimate. Some people are younger listeners um, were legitimate contenders from 1983 through 1993. That's a 10 year window. Now, a lot of changes happened, but you had the first pennant come in 85, but the build started in 83. You had the 80, you had, you had the teams doing well. And then the, some heartbreak in and around. You had the two world series, but you had like the core, right? The young core at that time, George Bell, Jesse Barfield, Ernie Witt, and you build through that. And then, you know, you look at today's today's guys, and uh, you're different eras in baseball, but arguably, uh, th- those those Jays teams that were building and then made those key moves with Joe Carter, Robbie Almar, and all that. Uh, this Jays team, where they're at now, is to me better and in better shape than those teams were in the mid '80s before those those two uh, really significant moves happened. Music, music to my ears. I love to hear it, and. Oh, I already know I'm going to be down at the ballpark a lot more in 2022 than I was in 2021. And hopefully we get a packed building starting in April next year. We'll have to wait and see oh. on that one. Yeah, be great. Um, oh, pardon me? No, I said absolutely. I, I, I hope it's uh, everything's back to normal. We can go rock the Rogers Center. Oh, I love to hear that. Um, but anyway, I just want to shift on because obviously, as you know, the resident, let's just call it this, resident YWC football talk uh, fantasy expert. I like it. Through fantasy football season so far, obviously, is and I just got a chill saying this in the car today to myself. I was like, holy crap, already a quarter of the way done the season. Um, yeah. Who are some players that you like so far that can, I know they're probably not on waivers, but who are some players that have really impressed you, not on a football field aspect, but on a fantasy football aspect? Well, I, I'm going to have my Sportsnet uh, Week 5 waiver wire article coming out on Tuesday Uh either late afternoon or evening. So make sure you keep an eye out on that on sportsnet.ca and on Twitter at AndyMC81. But if I'm looking overall, this guy, and I've been a truther, and I've said it on your show, and I've said it on other shows, and my own show on Sunday mornings on Sportsnet, Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that, Griff, that's a perfect example of what you said. Maybe not necessarily real-life football-wise, but fantasy football-wise, Jalen Hurts is a fantasy stud. The dude is the fifth-ranked overall fantasy player. Not quarterback, fifth overall in all of football. All the guy does is keep putting up fantasy points. Let's go through a week. these weeks real quick. 28.76 fantasy points, 28, 1.8, 22.54, 28.18. Needs to clean things up. The, the, the Eagles are not a finished product by any means, but Jalen Hurts can use his legs, but I believe he is... He does have the arm talent to become a legitimate long-term starting quarterback in the National Football League. And along the way, listen, everyone fawns over Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, others. Jalen Hurts is doing has better fantasy numbers than both those guys right now. 
Exactly. If Dak Prescott's been like a dazzle on field, but yeah, at the same time too, the Eagles quietly each week, except for week two against San Francisco, have put up points. Like they put up 32 against the Falcons. They put up, I think, 21 or 22 against the Cowboys. And even yesterday, they put 30 against the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning AFC champions. Something's not taken too, too lightly. But no, I, I love that. Um, another personal player I love that's both on-field good and off-field good, I have to say, and who I'm going to be honest with you, I almost benched yesterday and started for one of the QBs playing tonight, but I did it, and I'm thankful for that, is Kyler Murray. Mm, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't, That guy's a little water spider, man. He's five foot nothing, and the dude just keeps balling out. High octane, high tempo offense. Uh, number two fantasy football player overall behind now. Patrick Mahomes is just a whisker ahead of him there. But, man, like you, you look what, what he's been able to do and what the Cardinals really have been able to do. And against a tough Rams defense, one, you put up 37. Like, 37 points on the Rams. That's legit. And, you know, a couple more touchdowns. And he, he's just... The interceptions are a bit higher than uh, a year ago and, and maybe where you'd like. But, hey, you cannot argue with the fantasy success and the real-life success. They're 4-0. Yeah, they're, they're one of my – I've always been kind of sweet on the Cardinals. Like, one of those like teams, like, I'm not a fan of, but, like, you want to see do well. I, mean, I was always impressed with Kyler. But I'm looking at his points right now for fantasy. Week 1, 34. 35, week 2. 19, week 3 against Jacksonville. But they still won and covered. And yesterday, like you said, 22 points. I had them – I didn't have them exactly winning yesterday, but I still had them covering the spread. But the fact that they won and they covered and Kyler's playing this to this crazy level where I feel like a lot of people are finally seeing his untapped potential is just something that – I had someone text me today saying, hey, I'm so jealous of you, man, because I saw you see you Kyler as your quarterback. And by the way, the quarterback I almost started him over was Herbert. But at the last second, something just told me, I'm like – Start Kyler, you won't, I won't go wrong. And right now I'm up 158 to 104, so all good in my favor. Nice. And- well, you know what? it's it's a case where, one, you're you're in great shape regardless. Um, I think Justin Herbert, heck of a talent as well, uh, just not as of right now, to the Kyler Murray area. And I'm actually in a similar situation as you. I had, I, I, in my keeper league, I kept Dak Prescott, and I drafted Jalen Hurts late. So I've actually been benching Dak for Jalen. And both have been, uh, outside of the one sort of fantasy dud by Dak, um, both have been just excellent, but Jalen's been that much better. I think I'm going to flip back next week to to Dak. But you look at him and also, hey, we can't write off at all what Matthew Stafford is doing over in L.A. I know they lost yesterday, but you look at a guy who's, uh, for, for fantasy purposes, ninth overall, connection with Cooper Cup. Guy's balling out. Exactly. The Cooper Cup, I know yesterday was his first real bad day, but like you look at him every single week. Like whenever I was doing some daily fantasy just on Yahoo, and I see the top guys, and it's like the same thing. Like you had Tyler Lockett, you had Cooper Cup, you had Matthew Stafford, all those guys were just balling out. But I know you like to say you you do your weekly waiver articles, which I always pay attention to. Like I said, when I have fantasy advice, I go to you. One (laughs) player. There's one player, though, that I do have for a potential waiver wire pickup for week five because he helped me a lot for week four, and that's Buffalo tight end Dawson Knox, who put up 18 yesterday. Yeah, yeah, and I, I was looking at him. I Let me just actually, let me see. Did I put him in? I did not put him in, but he was right on the cusp. I went back and forth between two guys. Um, I I like the pickup. I am, I, it's a balance between, because in fantasy, 
you have obviously little, you know one-off situations right guys a great week and it's like ah okay well now we got two weeks in a row where dawson knox has put up double digit fantasy points three weeks in a row with touchdowns i'm not ignoring that also the target share week one four then three then five then eight looks like he is surpassing cole beasley and that the tight end is finally being utilized in that bill's offense where it has not been before now you welcome in the kansas city chiefs whose defense can be gashed and i'm thinking heck you got them and tennessee before the buffalo buy and the titans losing to the jets oh where where's the game of thrones like that the ding 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 shame shame you know you're ringing the bell the lady ringing the bell you lose to the jets are you kidding me what the heck is wrong in tennessee but dawson knox uh as of right now still owned in less than 50 percent of yahoo leagues so that's a uh listen the tight end group on waivers if you don't have one and you punt it on the position or you're streaming or whatever it's razor thin so dawson knox is one of the top pickups out there available i would definitely suggest grabbing him you know what? I just wanted to throw it in there. I had experience, good experience with them, so hopefully it could just pass along to everyone else. But no, I love your shame metaphor because <laughs> the one thing too, I don't know how much like choo-choo into actual like little sports betting you are, but the Kansas City Chiefs now are in their last twelve. I believe it's two and ten against the spread. Yesterday, obviously they covered, but if you look at them too, like even going back to Week One against your Browns, I remember, and because I'm in a spread pool with my dad and then a bunch of other people, and I told him, I said. Cleveland may not exactly win. I'm sorry to say that, but they're going to cover. And he laughed at me. And even week three against the Chargers. So that's the thing with the Chiefs. I feel like this Sunday's game, bat the over if you're a betting man. Uh, I'm with you. And here's see, here's a tricky situation that I'm in, and some of the listeners might be in as well. I picked the Buffalo Bills defense uh, in the draft. Uh, two out of the last three weeks. And even, you know what, you get seven points out of your defense. I'm not hating that. But 22 points in week two, seven in week three, 23 in week four. Now I'm looking and I got Kansas City. I don't love that. But then the next week I have Tennessee. So now I got to take a look and thinking, well, I don't really want to get rid of the defense and drop it. Because after the bye, you have Miami, Jacksonville, Jets, Colts, Saints. Like that is a sweet stretch of what, what could be just a feast. So now I got to be looking at my, you know, my, uh, my, my bench and thinking, all right, well, maybe, you know, I was holding on to Kenneth Gainwell of Philly. You know, he had a great week, but maybe that's a guy I got to let go. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. That's, that's going to be a tough one to try to stream a defense. And that's a problem some people are going to have this week. You know what? I'm in that exact boat right there. Cause I'm looking as I, at the league, I looked at, I told you about where I had Kyler Murray, who I started over Herbert. Um, then I look at the options on the waiver wire. Who to get? I could go for week five: Minnesota, Baltimore, Vegas, Carolina, or Dallas. Because after that, it gets really sparse. Or even Green Bay against Cincinnati. But at the same time, too, the uh, the Bengals are a bit of a, a bit of a spark plug this year. Surprisingly, at three and one, two, along with your three and one Cleveland Browns enjoying your Cleveland whiskey. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out who, who out of all those teams I just said, is there one that stands out in particular to you to help? I mean, I, I'm getting my advice in right now. <laughs> Hey, no, and you know what? It's it's a question that a lot of a lot of people are gonna have, right? And and the thing with defense is that they can be fickle. Like how many people were jumping on the Tennessee Titans against the Jets? Listen, if I had a stream of defense, I would have done it. I had Buffalo so against Houston, so I wasn't going to. But uh, that's that's a a real situation. 
So now I'm looking outside of this. All right. Um, Vegas at the Chargers. So the Vegas defense really has been single digits. So it looks sort of safe. It's not going to wow you. Really depends your, I guess, sort of risk re- uh, reward tolerance. Um, do you want to take your shot or do you want to sort of hunker in? Um, and Dallas versus the Giants is tricky because the Giants can get those garbage points that can ruin a, you know, a fantasy day, right? It, they, they can do enough to ruin your day. So what do you look at? I would say if you got, if Baltimore's around, and one of my leagues, I'm just looking, Baltimore's 72% ownership, so they might not. But if they are against Indy, I'm liking that. Um Let's see, Arizona and San Francisco. That's not too bad. They've been they've been hot and cold. The cards might be all right. Thirty three percent ownership. Packers defense. I don't I don't like uh, against Cincinnati. I'm I'm not I'm not biting on that. So those are those are a few. And and you know what the um, the Browns and Chargers. I, I again would probably try to stay away from both of those defenses just because it could be a bit of a high scoring affair there. Yeah, no, I think that I like the. Um, just looking at it now, I like Carolina for. The next few weeks, if I was going to stash Buffalo, because if they're only owned in 43% of leagues, and that was down 36% from last week, and they have Philadelphia, Minnesota, and then the Giants. So that can get you through pretty comfortably for those three games that if you don't want to risk playing Buffalo against Kansas City and Tennessee, and also to do with the bye week. Yeah, that's not bad. They got, they got negative four against Dallas, but I like overall what you're saying because they have been in the high singles and got a double in there. Um, Philly again is we talked about Jalen Hurts right like these teams that you got with athletic quarterbacks you have to be careful of because they can get you garbage numbers and get you garbage time um, like maybe maybe Atlanta in a, a few weeks as well Carolina is not a bad pick it's because uh, they have done it and Dallas is really clicking so I, I don't mind that Panthers pick either. You know what? I'm going to think about it, and once I go with my decision, and if it pays off, I'm just going to go, Andy, I'll go back to our conversation and uh, talk about it. And um, before before we go quickly, I just want to ask you, is there anyone that was ranked really high in drafts that you aren't overly impressed with? Because I I have a couple of guys, but I want to hear your opinion first. Well, the thing is, when we look at the the rankings overall, right, and when you're going through drafts and you're you're looking, and that's why – I always I respect the preseason rankings, of course, but they're not the be all end all. Right. And it's it's a case where you're looking and it's like, all right, well, who did you spend a higher pick on that isn't paying off? Someone that first came to mind that is bouncing back was Ezekiel Elliott. Pretty scary. Saquon Barkley. Same thing. Started the year. Not great. Now is looking much better. Um, Dalvin Cook with the injuries. He's ranked 111th overall when he was ranked second. So I think Dalvin Cook, while still super explosive, is banged up yet again. Alvin Kamara, from where you drafted him, he's at 58th overall um, compared to a third overall ranking. So th- there are guys like that. Even like uh, when you look at a, um, uh, well, you, I'll, I'll tell you one more here, Jonathan Taylor. And I don't blame him. I blame just that that whole situation with Carson Winston's two bum ankles, rolling ankles all around. Why aren't you using Jonathan Taylor more? Looks like a mess. That's another guy who was taking first round who's not producing, and I don't blame him. No, I was going to say Jonathan Taylor was my pick. The other one, too, I know he had a couple good weeks, but Najee Harris is another one that I think was always a little bit too, too high up there. And yeah. from a rookie perspective, I'm going to go Kyle Pitts because that's who I actually benched yesterday for Dawson Knox, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, Kyle yeah. Yeah, the thing was, Kyle Pitts seemed like a bit of a feast. And I'm still a Kyle Pitts 
believer based on that athleticism. He is just such a freak, but he's 20 years old, okay? And it doesn't look like he's being used as creatively as we were hoping for. Now, the targets are there. So this is at least a possibility for some some potential, some, some upside glimmers of hope for Kyle Pitts owners. Don't give up on him yet. The catches are not there where you want them. The touchdowns aren't there because he has zero. Neither is the yardage. But look at the target share. Week one, eight, then six, then three, then last week, nine. Now, again, not putting up the numbers you want, and he only caught four of those. But you got the Jets next, next week. Jets got that monkey off their back for the first win, so I would expect this to be just a, a, a real slop fest of, of, of fantasy points. That could be a real get-right week for Pitts. And even if it's not... You're able to go into the bye week. Maybe he resets and comes out against Miami. We quite often see that the second half of a rookie season that that rookies who struggled can sometimes pop out well the next side. So don't give up on Pitts. But I like your strategy there, Griff. Of if he's not producing, don't just sit there and wait. Be proactive and go get a Dawson Knox type uh, while it goes. And you know what? It's probably going to take something where you have to watch Kyle Pitts go off. And don't hate that decision. Don't don't hate on yourself because you're. You're having another viable higher ceiling or sorry, higher floor, lower ceiling guy to be safe and try to win your week until you see the star goes off. And then when he does, you can make that switch. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just trying to look at the thing right now to see. And it also cost me no FAB at all. So I'm an nice. even, be- even better vote too. And I still have a lot of FAB to use for all the year because I, I fell for the Elijah Mitchell trap, but I didn't use too, too much of it up. I think I only used like $10. Oh, real but. Griff, I had people in two, two of my leagues spend over $70. 70 plus, and I heard on Twitter, who knows fake or not, whatever, but I heard a couple of cases of people spending 95 fab, 95 bucks on Eli Mitchell. I know we're thirsty for running backs, people. I know. But oof, that is a big swing, and it's looking like a giant miss. Sometimes, hey, you're a home run hitter. That means they strike out a lot, too, and that is a big-time strikeout. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's just brutal. And also, yeah. too, folks, we may have to communicate with like either myself, Andy, on Twitter for the next little while because it's obviously one of the only social media websites that's still active at the current moment. Um, yeah, well, what's up with that? Is it just maintenance down, whatever? Skynet's finally taking over the world. <laughs> but um, anyway, Andy, I want to get you out of here because I know your time is very limited and precious, and I always appreciate when you come on. But I know you had something special you wanted to talk about, so please share with the fine folks some UFFL news with us. Oh, man. Okay, guys, listen. I, I know on the program before I was telling you about the Ultimate Fantasy American Football League where I was in Las Vegas, and we auctioned off the first 53-man. The league is clicking along. we got 32 owners. It's phenomenal. But this one, this is my baby. This I believe is going to be a revolutionary, one of a kind experience. NFL, our NFL Legends League on the UFF Sports platform. We call it Professional Fantasy Sports. It's the American Football Legends League. I want you guys to follow on Twitter, please, at the AFLL. At the AFLL. We're going to have all the news there. This is where Legends players, real life players, are attached to our platform and get paid off of their video game simulation performance. Guys signed up, such as Hall of Famer Chris Carter, Michael Vick. Yeah, that Michael Vick. Eric Metcalf, who's going to be hosting the show with me, the live auction show, October 22nd. 
Griff, we're doing it from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, baby. The Hall of Fame. We're going to be in the new $10 million renovated event center space. I'm flying in. Metcalf is coming up from the Thursday nighter in Cleveland the night before when the Browns played the Broncos. Going to pick up a W there. He's coming up. And then we're doing the show, the last hour of the auction, right there. It's going to be 16 franchises auctioned off. And what we're doing is we're going to be in this whole league. You're going to build your rosters. It's going to have offensive line. And we're going to have the video game simulation broadcast. So the game sim broadcast out with a game of the week play-by-play by yours truly and a different NFL great analyst each week that you can watch. You're going to be able to bet on it. You're going to be able to engage with our NFT athletes through uh, fan experiences. This is something that's never been done before. I am, in case you can't tell, I'm super excited about it. And it is going to be something that is is beyond the next level. Oh, also, we got Nate Burleson. You know the guy who's everywhere, NFL Network, CBA? He's on board with us, too. We got Walt Harris. We got a whole bunch of guys uh, coming in. So at V-A-F-L-L. At the AFLL, American Football Legends League on Twitter. We're going to have website and stuff up. Ask questions. Hit me up there. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I'd love to love to hear it. I, your enthusiasm got me excited, folks. I'm going to have the links for all of this in the description on YouTube, on wherever you find your podcast platform. But obviously, I distribute mine for Anchor if you've been found out by now by listening to the beginning of the episode. But, man, that was just a lot. I love to hear it, man. Andy's doing great work, guys. Uh, if you're in Canada, check out the Fantasy Show, 8 to 10 Sundays on Fan590. Andy stops up all the time, whether it be on Instagram whenever he gets back up. Twitter always has the updates for you folks, and he's always trying to help you win, and he's always trying to help fill your bellies, too, with some good old Domino's pizza. Yes. Oh, you know, that's right. Perfect football food. Perfect anytime food, Griff. Oh, exactly. It's my go-to whenever I just don't feel like cooking. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to order a Domino's pizza. boy, Good job. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Andy, it was a blast getting to talk to you today. I know we went a little bit over, but you know what? It's all good. It's all in good nature. Thank you very much for coming on once again. And folks, I think the Patriots play the Browns in a month, so you may or may not see Andy that week. Oh, boy. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Well, anyway, Andy, I thank you for coming on once again. Like I said, folks, all the info for all the UF, UFFL and the AFAFLL, I It's American Football Legends League at the AFLL, baby. All good. At AFLL, all the descriptions will be below. Check it out. You won't regret it. Trust Andy on everything. And remember, folks, hashtag AskAndy on Twitter. Have a good night, everyone. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.